welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Uh, boys, we have uh, we have a lot to cover today. Um, we're going to be talking about altar calls for kids, um, a new Calvinist documentary, and and then we're going to unpack a little something that we do at the end of every episode. So uh, it promises to be uh, to be an exciting app. But first, Pipe, we got some business to take care of, man. Uh, because it is it is raining sponsors on our humble little program. So it is, yeah. It's it's tough being business mavens. It's so much to handle. So we Dude, uh, we're is. gonna do our best. I like being a maven, though. I like I like the way you framed that. Actually, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a title I've decided to adopt. Um, and so I figured we could we could share it around. Uh, and speaking of, of being mavens, we need to remind people to uh, to to save the date to mark their calendars for uh, the live in Louisville event. We are. Uh, in some high-level negotiations with uh, with a couple of potential venues in the Louisville area, um, so we will let you know as soon as we have that finalized. But pipe again, what are those dates, uh, Ronnie? What are those dates? Um, <laughs> Big T, was, what are those dates? Actually, I think I, think I, I, think I have them. October twenty third, thereabouts, right? right? October twenty third. That's which I, which I believe is a Sunday, and it would be Sunday evening if uh, if our plans hold true. As correct, and they will. We promise. We are going to do this thing one so way or you, another. If you live in the South, that means you'll have to skip Sunday evening church, um, or the or the prayer service, or whatever it is that they do at your church on Sunday evening. But uh, but it's okay. Because you'll be doing something spiritual, meaning listening to this program. Or maybe you'll have time to go to church, but you have to skip out before you go forward at the altar call. So that, that's that, a possibility. That's true. that's true. That is a possibility. But, baby, we're getting ahead of ourselves with that. I know. With I, was just throw, I was just throwing a little teaser out there, Big that, T. That was a really uh, good teaser. Baby, that that's good excellent. radio is what that is. Pipe, uh, take us into these promos. Yes. Let's do a little business. So we have two sponsors. The first is Moody Publishers, back to sponsor us again. And uh, they want to highlight The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer, which is mm-hmm. a book a lot of people will have heard of because it is uh, – it's – one of those sort of spiritual development classics kind of in the in the vein of a knowing God or the pursuit of holiness or some of those others. Um, I'm happy that they wanted to highlight this one just because uh, in publishing, as we've talked about before, newer is always considered better. So to see somebody like Tozer and the pursuit of God being highlighted by a publisher, I find encouraging because this is one of those books that has been uh, in- influential on I don't know if it's millions of people, but I'm going to guess it's millions of people, hundreds of thousands at the very least. And the gist of the book, the the core of it is really looking at everybody's desire, whether or not they can express it, to draw closer to God. And each chapter looks at one aspect of waiting on God. So it's it's got aspects of spiritual disciplines, aspects of soul care and soul health. And Tozer writes in a way that's kind of uh, unparalleled, and, and nobody else did, did it exactly like him. And he... If you know anything about his life, he modeled this idea of waiting on God and pursuing God kind of simultaneously. It sounds like an odd juxtaposition, but they go together really well. So uh, The Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer from Moody Publishers, they have re-released it. So no text is changed, but just repackaged, put it back out there. About a year or two ago, Moody got the rights to all of A.W. Tozer's uh, Materials, so they will be putting out more and more from him. Some unpublished work, some repackaged stuff, uh, reintroducing it to a different generation of readers, which I think is great. So, Pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, go check it out. It's Amazon, Lifeway.com, Barnes and Noble, all the places you buy books. Go get that. Pipe, do you think? Uh, do you think why we're not emergent is vintage enough to get this kind of a re-release from Moody and and kind of a uh, a push uh, of this nature? 
Uh, I think it's old enough. Okay. I'm not sure that there are any more emergent people to not be, however. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we killed that thing a few years ago, but I'm just saying. You're, yeah, would... y- the, your problem, Ted, was that the book was too effective. Oh, there it is. It was you destroyed, too effective. You destroyed <laughs> you, the entire you, movement. You so yeah. dismantled the, <laughs> the whole idea of being emergent that, that mm. nobody needs to read that book anymore. You know, no, you, what, make, what you make people, a great point. People should go read Why We Love the Church because uh, that hasn't gone anywhere and we should still love it. So, uh, That's right. Still there. Also, still uh, read Bridezilla of Christ by Ronald J. Martin and Ted Kluck, uh, their newest excellent book. That's an unpaid sponsorship. Waterbrook, Multnomah. Go get that book. Wow. All right. Now, back to the paid sponsorship because those are way more important than the unpaid ones. Um, Olive Tree is sponsoring us again. So uh, go to olivetree.com. It is, it's Bible study software, more or less. That sounds really boring, uh, but they have a, a great app for uh, iPad, iPhone, various mobile devices where you can, you can look at bi- multiple biblical texts side by side. You can look at commentaries or lexicons or whatever your speed of study is side by side with, uh, with whatever text you're studying. You can use the original languages. They have a massive library of Christian books, and the way that they sell stuff, you don't have to pay like $1,000 for this massive package. You can buy a la carte, so you can buy just the pieces that you want in terms of resources. They're offering a code. uh, If you use the code RANT, you get 20% off anything you purchase through July 31st. So if you just want to test it out and buy a couple little uh, little uh, resources, a couple smaller things. You get that discount. If you want to go whole hog and buy some of their larger packages, they do have those. Uh, they just don't require you to start there. But it is a it is a really really cool uh, resource for studying, especially if you're teaching or preparing to teach or preaching. Uh, you can do all of that there. They allow you to bring your highlights, your notes, your commentaries, all those things into one place so you can look at every single thing you have collected and every single thing that other people have collected uh, on a single text in one place. So go to olivetree.com, use the code RANT, get a 20% discount on anything you order from them through July 31st. There it is. Boys, I, I, got, a, I got a quick story to tell you. So uh, last week... Um, I pick my kid up from church camp, right? And, uh, and he's 13, so he's, he's at that tender kind of awkward age. Where, so he smelled like a porta potty Oh, dude, yeah. He just, he just smelled awful, Pipe. You have no idea. <laughs> oh, I, no, I do. I've run camps for 13-year-olds before. And oh, they, dude, they all was, made it out alive, but barely. Well, and, and listen, listen to what this camp did on day one. And, and let, me, let me caveat this whole thing by saying it was a good camp. It was a good experience. I'm not finding fault per se. Day one, they do the thing where they're like dousing each other with like uh, like eggs and uh, and and uh, like pancake batter. You know, this is all a part of a game, like a, a big get to know you thing. So all this clothing gets doused with all this gross stuff, and then shoved in a bag, and then it gets shoved in a plastic bag. Which bag gets shoved in a storage thing, which is roughly like 180 degrees uh, hot each day. So it's just been moldering for a week. And I, I opened this stuff up. Dude, I had to run it through the wash twice. I'm surprised you washed it. I would have just uh, I would have just thrown, thrown the whole away. thing away. Absolutely. No, I know. I know. Yeah, I thought about it, man. So anyway, he gets home from camp. I'm like, dude, uh, you know, great to see you. How was camp? He's like, oh, I bought a pocket knife. You know, you know you're in the South when they go to church camp, but he, he's excited <laughs> about buying a knife. But you know. when they get to be 15, they can buy the uh, they can buy the assault rifle. Yeah, they can get a gun. Exactly. They'll come home with an Uzi next year, you know. 
Um, so he buys a pocket knife and I'm like, I'm like, dude, what about, uh, what about the speakers? What about like the, the spiritual stuff? And he goes, I felt really horrible. And I'm like, why? And he goes, well, at the end of every talk, there was this quote unquote reflection time where you could go up front and like give your life to Christ. And like everybody was going up front and like crying all over each other. And he's like, I already, I already like gave my life to Christ. So I felt bad because I was just sitting in a seat, you know, and I'm like, oh, it, it was it was the altar call situation, right? So oh. this is this oh. is oh exactly the the contrived like emotional you know camp related thing where um where all that stuff happens. So my my question is this, guys, and it's a good one. And I think Pipe, you initially brought this up. Um, how do we feel about altar calls for kids? Because they are younger; they don't have the sort of powers of discernment to be able to say. You know, I've already given my life to Christ. I'm good. Um, when all their friends are like streaming up front and like, you know, crying all over the place. So uh, what are we to do with this child altar call situation? Well, I think I think Ronnie should answer this because I'm pretty sure that at, uh, at his church, they they mandate these done in the children's program on a weekly <laughs> basis. So, Ronnie, can you justify that decision, please? Oh, dude, you got me on that one, man. I don't, I don't know. I, you know, man, I, I know I went through it. I can't remember my own daughter having gone through it. I know she's going to listen to this podcast. So I, I think I'm going to take the opportunity to ask her later, but yeah. Um, it's just a weird thing because this is what happens, right? So more of what happens than people going up to sort of receive salvation. I feel like it's just people that are, or kids, I should say, that are Super emotional. They're feeling really guilty about all the stuff they'd been doing at camp up until that moment that they shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. they end up, uh, they end up just going up basically out of guilt and shame and feeling sorry for, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the hard life they've been leading as nine year olds up to that point. So I, mm. man, it's just, it's a weird, it's a weird culture. I mean, I grew up in the altar call. Oh, culture. yeah. I mean, yeah. I grew up in that. And it's like, so what, what altar calls actually turned into were, were rededications. So you want to, that, that's so, exactly what my kid said. He goes, right. He so goes like big T, it was like that kind of thing, right? Where you like, you look at your buddy and go, dude, I thought you were saved. And he goes, no, no, no. I was just rededicating this week. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. you did that like the last eight weeks in a row, man. Like what, how many, <laughs> how many rededications are we talking about? Dude, you know? exactly. My, my kid goes, I went up one time. I did the recommit. You know, they, they gave you the option. <laughs> I did. They're, well, NBA free agency is starting, and it's like, yeah, he took the player option on recommitting yeah. his life to Christ. Playing out his option. You fill out a card, man. Is this a, is this a salvation or a recommit? We need to know before you take one step further. Dude, they if it's just a recommit, box, you go like, over. Oh, I just came up out of sheer peer pressure. Yeah. They need the, yeah. the peer pressure box. Absolutely. I think it's just so, it's so, it's so recommit. It's so recommit, right? <laughs> I don't know. Well, and I, so... My daughter is my oldest daughter is ten, and so about three times in our first two years living here. So we've been in, in Tennessee almost three years. It took me it took me two years to get her to stop going forward at the altar calls at, <laughs> at church. Now I don't I never witnessed how they did this. I, it might have been a soft thing. It might have been a very hard like you're going to hell if you don't do this. I'm not sure. I'm guessing it was more like if you'd like to follow Christ, come forward. You know, blah blah blah. But she would you know Sunday after Sunday. This probably happened. I don't know, three to four times total over two years. I would get in the car with them to drive home from church, ask, you know, how did things go in Sunday school? And uh, and she would say, I gave my life to God or I gave my life to Christ. Well, that's something every parent would like to hear. So I I ask, oh, really? What? Tell me about that. 
well, the, the whoever was speaking asked. I went forward. And so trying to kind of gauge the legitimacy of this, that sounds very skeptical because I was pretty skeptical. I, I said, oh, why did you go forward? Oh, because my friends did. That was, that was once or uh, I'm not really sure. That was another time. And, and, and Dude, she yeah, just wanted to walk around. You know, she was tired of sitting there. Yeah. And well, she just she is the classic A type oldest kid who if the teacher says you should do this, she's yeah. going to go, oh, I should do that. So mm-hmm. she's doing the thing that she was asked to do, having no idea why it's the right thing to do or if it's the right thing to do. And and so – but this was the kicker. So I talked to her time you know, each of these times and I was like, well, that's great. I'm glad you did that. We'll keep talking about it. I just sort of left the door open to further conversations because I didn't get the sense that she really knew what it meant to follow Christ at that point. And right. – uh, but I get these emails from the children's minister, and what they would do is every time a child came forward, they would get the information. They would contact the parents and say, hey, your child made this decision. We're going to have sort of a uh, we just follow Jesus party, and they invite the parents to come, and then they you know they give some follow-up resources about discipling your child and some things like that. So the concept is a pretty good idea, I think, in terms of – helping parents whose children have decided to follow Christ. But I finally emailed back and just said, hey, uh, I mean, I said this as nicely as I could. I was basically like, my child is not following Jesus. They, they, mm-hmm. she, she walked forward out of a sense of whatever, interest, obligation, something else. I said, I think I have a better sense whether, of, than, than you guys do of whether or not she is, and we're not going to come to that party. Um, <laughs> and I never got a response back. And then the children's minister left a little while later. So I don't know if those two things were related, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just, I was so frustrated cause I'm like, no eight year old has any idea what to do with an altar call. Right. Right. They just do what adults tell them to do or what all their friends are doing. Now right. I'm not saying that no eight year old has ever been saved in an altar call. I'm just saying if they did, it was by accident. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're not sounding very reformed right now, Pipe. I got to tell well, you, man. Big R now in a, in a true reformed church, you could say that they do the altar call for kids like right right when they're infants. You know what I mean? Well, that's the they, Presbyterian idea. They they call it baptism. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. right, right, right. They, they bring them on up there and, and including their eleven brothers and sisters and and every extended family member, and they they do the whole thing. And right? Big T, I love how you said, and by truly reformed, that obviously has to mean Presbyterian, right? Because. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all we're all just partial reformed here, you know. But here's my question, man. Maybe so I'm just partial reformed too, though, for the record. I know, I know that. I know that, yeah. man. It's so. Here's my question, right? So this is what yeah. I want to know because, like, I grew up in the Calvary Chapel movement in SoCal, which is just altar call central. Absolutely. Like, dude, it, there's they not even a ser- have seats. The whole thing is an altar. Oh, dude, it's all standing up. There's not a sermon that gets preached that doesn't end with an with an AC, right? So I'm guessing that – so wait a minute. Now, now hear me out here. So right, I'm, I, I didn't grow up in any sort of Baptist environment, although Calvary chapels kind of came a little out of an older Baptist movement. Is, is that a Baptist thing, the whole altar call? Dude, you know, it's weird because I didn't grow up in a, in a particularly Baptist environment either. But at my church camp, like the one I went to every summer, it was, it was definitely a part of it. Okay, like, so here's my question then. I'm, gonna, I'm about to say a kind of a bad word. It starts with a D. Is this, is this kind of a dispensational thing? Is this kind of – I think it's – I don't know whether it's dispensational or what. It, it is – I think it is. I think it's tied into that it's, though, man. I, you can find the two in a lot of the same places. So I don't know if it's causation or correlation. But yeah. it's, it's definitely not a reformed thing. You no, know, definitely see, not. Dis, 
distinctly although, not reformed. Although yeah. lots of reformed churches will send their kids and youth to camps where they do these things. So camp is a like, camp is camp's built, its own animal. Man. Camp is camp's, built on disgusting yeah. games and altar calls. Those, well, yeah, are, because you know, reformed churches don't do camps. You got to send your kids. They don't do camps. They don't do groups anymore. The, the, you know, the, the, the Dispies are the fun ones. So we send the Dispies. Absolutely, are way we send more our kids to so the Dispies to have fun. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, our church never did altar calls, and I, I was Baptist, but it was obviously quite reformed. Yeah. So then we moved to the South, and. Even really theologically sound churches. So, and I, I don't mean reformed by that. I mean like they really care about their Bibles and teaching things. They do altar calls. So it's, I don't know if it, it might be a north south thing. I yeah. somebody, our listeners, I'm sure, will have lots of input on this. Please hit us up, listeners. Yeah. We'd love to have your input. But it just, it is. The church I go to has really sound teaching. It's very modern in all of the ways a church can be modern in terms of technology and music and whatever else. Like You wouldn't guess that they do the altar calls, but then many Sundays, especially when guest preachers are there and in the kids' programs, you get to the end and it and it turns into a tent revival meeting. And you just sort of like, <laughs> I expect like George Beverly Shea to be singing or something. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, what happened? This is this these don't go together. But I think it's because they just they brought with them the altar call culture from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, all the way up into the the 20 teens. Well, and yeah, they just, dude, they, just, they just never threw it overboard, even though it's, it's fascinating kinda, kinda because weird. like. If we uh, if we ever did any you know homework on Wikipedia, we would probably know a little bit about the history of of altar calls. But man, I mean that would be. Um, I feel like I wish we could delve a little further into that because I feel like the Apostle Paul would like you know turn in his grave if he knew that we had adopted this kind of methodology because it's really like when you get right down to it, it's like it's 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 kooky. You know what I mean? It's 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 kind of kookyisms. You know what I mean? Like who developed this and why did this become a thing? That the fact that like we all in some ways kind of grew up with it. Well, you didn't really Piper, but I guess you did Big T. It's really strange because like growing up with it, you never thought twice about it, but then when you're out of it, you look back on it and you go, "Oh, that was just kind of weird. That was just bizarre." Maybe I think it I think it speaks to like our desire to close the deal. You know Absolutely. what I mean? To be to be yeah. closers. Like so you you've whiffed everybody into this frenzy because of your like oratory skills or the, the movie that you've just watched or whatever. And, and yeah, there's just a sense of like, I, I want to close this thing. I want to, you know, so we can, we can get the numbers or, or tell people how many people came to Christ or whatever. And which is another weird thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, so you, you get the report up in front of the church from church camp and it's like, well, we saw 78 new kids come to the Lord. And I don't know that, it's Even like before, saying like, yeah, it's like saying like you need to trust God for your salvation, but we're not going to trust God for your salvation. <laughs> yeah, so let's exactly. do this. <laughs> exactly. We're going to go ahead and do the numbers and, and the accounting and all that stuff, you know, right along with it. So yeah, the, uh, it, I, the in terms of attaching it to a to a church culture, it wasn't until I moved to the south that I started seeing pastors who I knew, southern pastors who would tweet regularly <clears throat> on Sundays or, or on Mondays, saw 143 people saved yesterday. Now that's just crazy. That, that yeah, but I mean, that. is that is that the whole point though? Is that they can they can play a numbers game with well, it? They, they want to be able to. But the, the crazier thing is that these are guys who I respect. Like these are not. They're not are, like nut jobs. Yeah, they're not like yeah. they're they're not they're not church growth monsters who only right. care about those kind of like they're godly guys they really love jesus but it's just i think it's so ingrained into the culture of how church is done 
that mm. it's like they wouldn't think twice about it. They're, and they've never questioned it. They've never like thought like, I don't know, should we be doing this kind of thing? Right. And and then and then they do updates from the camps that their churches are putting on or they have kids at, you know, and they'll be like they'll send out an email and be like, Last night seventy eight kids were saved at Camp Wahini whatever long name and uh and and parents are you know, everybody's like, Praise God and it's and but again I'm like does does anybody look back at this and go, what happened to all those people? Yeah, because yeah, if yeah. if we saw over the course of a year eleven hundred people saved at our church, how come our attendance is exactly the same now as it was at the beginning of the year? <laughs> exactly. where, where did they go? Yeah, or a- or do the rest of us just dislike new believers so much that we all leave and they replace us? Like it's it's a it's a strange game to play. The latter, it is, man, it is yeah, the new Christians thing. Yeah, we're out. <laughs> yeah. The latter, they're baby Christians just like uh, Donald Trump. All that, boys, fills me with a ton of anxiety. Given that I'm going to be speaking at one of these camps in a few weeks, so do not do an altar call. Just tell them about Jesus. But they're asking you. They're asking you to do an altar call, dude. No, they're actually really cool about it. So I I actually talked with uh, with the camp guy, and he was he's a reform guy. He was basically like, "No, dude, don't do the emotional (laughs) thing. Like, just just give your talks, make them." So because he's reformed, he's saying just strip all emotion (laughs) out of it, so that we're good. Absolutely zero emotion. Please, he's like, make it like a college class, like a lecture. You know. Please be very analytical. Uh, be be uh, use good Cold argumentation. And dispassionate. Yes. Watch some D. A. Carson sermons. Whatever he does, do that. When yeah. by that we mean do nothing. Just Pronounce, maybe I'm uh, just going to play some D. A. Carson sermons on the on on the well, video the, screen. The key to doing D. A. Carson is to wear spectacles, not glasses. Spectacles, yeah. and periodically you take them off and you spin them around while you're making a sarcastic point, or <laughs> you fold them up and gesture with them if you're making a. Uh, Strong point. And you have to pronounce it one Corinthians and two Corinthians, something that he has in common with Trumpy. And then uh, and then also (laughs) the the book is not Isaiah. It's Isaiah. So when you say the word wrath, you say wrath, wrath. Yes. Like Rothschild. And baby, you wear glasses, so you're going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, right. Like David Lee Roth. So whenever you say the word wrath, just say wrath and think of David Lee Roth. Yeah. In the the glory days of Van Halen. Yeah. Yeah. According to Van Halen. According you know, to D.A. Carson, according to Van Halen, it's, it's uh, God's wrath. Boys, listen to me. There's nothing that teenagers love more than D.A. Carson. You oh, I mean? absolutely. They, just, always, they have so much fun with Dak and, and his talks. He's always been big with the – he's also, he always been big with the, with the altar call crowd, man. The, Huge. The teen, the teen altar call crowd. Huge with the camp crowd. Dak was really a camp guy. I mean if, if you look closely, he's got like – uh, a pair of like khaki cargo shorts and 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 a Jesus fish tattoo, and, 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 and oh, guys, t-tops. absolutely! I mean, I literally, I I, I got to start like, yeah, I, you know, I got to start hanging the phone up on him when we start planning our youth retreats because that's all he wants to do is come every summer to teach at those things. Dude, he I'm wants like, to that- talk about what games are going to get played and. <laughs> I'm like, Dak, we got to bring in some other guys, man. It just he, can't be you every week. He you know, went through a right. rough stretch after he tore his rotator cuff playing dodgeball, though. So He couldn't uh, do the zip line anymore, Pipe, after that. Yeah, it's, okay. it was tough. Well, and we know how much are Dak so baggy that the, the little harness thing is real uncomfortable around it. So zip line. Dak loved the zip line. He loved the ropes course. You know, oh, there's nothing he likes more than a good zip line before uh, before Canadian the, lunch. The lakeside, <laughs> the lakeside hymn sing was really his favorite, though. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Well, boys, speaking of um, speaking of, of, you know, kind of ways to 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 get people involved emotionally with uh, with what you're doing, be it through through film or music. Um, Big R, you brought something to our attention today via text, which really 
Uh, I have to say, and I have to set this up for our listeners, this could be, um, it could be hard for our listeners um, because I, I feel like the, the text discussion resulted in some real uh, conflict, some friction between <laughs> you and Pipe. So I want you to know I'm, I'm here to mediate, okay? Well, so tell, I want to tell be Ronnie peacemaker. not to call me names anymore. Yeah, oh my I, gosh. big R, no names, okay? We're going to be men about this. We're going to be civil about it. But, uh, but the film that I want to talk about is um, – it's called Calvinist, and it's a documentary. Big R, you sent us the information, the link to this guy's Kickstarter page, which inadvertently we're probably giving this guy all kinds of like, you know, promotional energy for his his Kickstarter. But uh, it's yeah, he needs Cal- to sponsor the program for sure. He needs to sponsor the program. But he right? needs he needs people to donate money so he can afford to sponsor the program. Absolutely. So this guy, I've never heard of the guy before. His name's Les Lanfear. Have we heard of this guy? Do you do you guys know? Him? I have not. Oh, this he sounds he sounds like a Calvinist homeschool dad. Yeah, the, you, you got it. You got it. So no, this no thing, offense, Les. I'm just looking at like the first frame of the trailer, and I didn't watch the trailer, um, but it's saying it's got uh, Michael Horton. So Horty, Horty's in it. Tim Challies. Who it gets you know barely more Calvinist than Tim Challies, uh, James White, Jimmy White is a part of this. Um, a guy named R. Scott Clark, who I've never heard of, and then uh, and then our boy Joe Thorne, the bearded one, the bearded uh, is, one is going to be involved in the film Calvinist. So this guy uh, is looking to raise some money for the project, and these are some of the uh, these are some of the levels that you can pledge at. So pipe if you're interested, get out get out the checkbook. Or the uh, the PayPal account, and if you pledge one dollar, um, so just one dollar, you're you're on board at what's called the common grace level. Oh, nothing is better than Calvinist jokes. They're awesome. Calvinist jokes. So this thing I'm is dying. saturated. This thing is laden with Calvinist jokes. So ten dollars or more, uh, you're on board at the cage stage Calvinist level. All right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty five bucks or more. Um, this one's great for, for a couple of reasons and I'll, I'll suss it out. 25 bucks or more. You're on the sola gracias level. And then, yeah, it's, it's a little joke. It's a little wordplay, but then he parenthetical and he goes, I know it's gratia because he was, he knew he was going to get a bunch of, (laughs) he knew he was going to get the, well, actually guys. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I don't know if you know this, but I just wanted to point out, you know, in the original Latin, in the original Latin. Exactly. (laughs) This one I like, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stop with this one and just let you guys riff on the film itself. The, if you pledge thirty five bucks or more, uh, you get on the the Sola Stickura level, and you get wow. stickers uh, that say Calvinist on them. Amazing. So, boys, there's there's a documentary oh, about. Come on, no, no, no. Keep going through the levels. They just get better and better. All right. Oh. So so fifty dollars or more. We've got T stands for T-shirt level. I'm assuming like that's a play on tulip. And it is. Tulip. It's a play on tulip. I love it. The $80 level is caffeination of the saints level. <laughs> I, that's wow. such a dad joke. <laughs> that is. That's, wow. that's amazing. And then $100 or more is the tulip level. So apparently you've, you've arrived. You're all five points. And then Dude, uh, I'm going to do something that I don't do on this program. And that is, I'm going to, while you guys riff on this, I'm going to do some research on this less land fear. I'm going to see if I can learn anything about this kid. Um, uh, it, well, he's got to be a dad with these jokes. A uh, hundred yeah. let's see, where were we? We were $150, 150. uh, the irresistible level. So, uh, we got, a, we got a little irresistible grace joke going on here. That's amusing. Uh, 
$250 uh, for all of the rich Calvinists out there is the Calvinist poster boy level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then $500 or more is the inner circle level. Uh, I, I don't know if that's a joke or if he's actually like there actually is an inner circle. I think that's possible. Um, <laughs> and then we're, then they get boring and you're a producer, executive producer, blah, 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 blah. So <clears throat> lots of uh, lots of theological and dad jokes wrapped into one, which I think our listeners will really appreciate. All right. So I, I just figured out who this guy is. Um, have you guys heard of a thing called the Reformed Pubcast? Uh, yes. Yeah, that's him. I've, I've heard of it. I'd never listened to it, but this is the the, the guy from that thing. Oh, okay. This documentary. That's a, that's our rival podcast. You realize that, boys? That is know, literally it's, it's our rival better. podcast. How many uh, how many hosts do they have? Uh, Reform Pubcast. Yes, I think they have two. Um, it looks like I think we should challenge them to some sort of uh, feats of physical strength or something. Dude, along I those think lines. we should have like a yeah, like a like a showdown, like a pod down. Like a the podcast now. Dude, and, and Pipe, per your comment last week, it should all be American Gladiator themed. Absolutely, because everybody wants 90s. to see us in red, white, and blue singlets. Absolutely. Single, <laughs> singlets. Singlets. And, and, and pugil sticks. And, uh, and, and the, but, uh, but do I get to shoot the tennis ball gun at the people trying to, uh, to make it across the obstacle course? Dude, now you listen, know, that's, that tennis that's ball gun far. was the best that's thing. That was, that was literally that was the most fun, for sure. Oh, my gosh, yes. No, it's it's two guys named Les and Tanner. Yeah, so two, two dudes. I didn't know it was those. I didn't know it was those guys. All right, well that that yeah. kind of adds up a little bit. And this dude's done a little bit. I think he's done some film work on some other like a a level a list films too. Is from his. Uh, you got to watch the. You got to you got to click on. You got to click play Big T and like watch the trailer. He he kind of explains who he is and what his aim is a little bit. So dude, really, so. is that him on the trailer then? Yeah. So okay, Ryan, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna click. Yeah. In, right in our uh, in our less than civil text exchange, well, mm-hmm. you uh, mm-hmm. you were very supportive of this project, and uh, and in the spirit of true uh, true debate, and uh, also hold on hold on, pipe. Civility, Actually, I I never said one word either way. I just asked why you were so against it. Uh, false. You okay. you insinuated support. Oh, well, there's there's the key word. There's the I word. So carry well, on. This is this is how theological debates go. You don't have to be clear. You just have to appear to be different than me, and then I get to blast you. So, uh, why don't you express your positive feelings about this, and I will let you finish. I'm gonna let you finish, and then uh, and then I'll take over from there. Wow, Big T, did you just hear what Pipe said? He's gonna let me finish. I mean, I don't know if I should yeah. throw a party right now or go celebrate <laughs> somewhere. I don't I don't know what to do with that. Maybe kinda. it's exciting. You have the floor. It's a big you know, privilege. Okay, so this is all that happened, man. I clicked on, I clicked play on the trailer, and I saw a guy that seemed, you know, fairly sincere. That wanted to make something that had some artistic merit. He had a little bit of, you know, he had some credentials that made it seem like he could, you know, actually do a documentary that had um, a little bit of credibility to it. And uh, you know, obviously, since since I would, you know, market myself under the c word a little bit. Um, I was I was interested in what he had to say, and I'm all for uh, I'm all for things like this being made if they're done well. So regardless of the content, um, if it's done well, I, I think it um, you know it it it's something that deserves to be heard. So again, I'm not saying I'm all bought in, but I'm interested in it. I like the guys he has kind of listed you know for it. You know our boy Joey Thorne and and. Uh, Timmy Challies and Horton and these guys. And um, so I think it can be something that could be 
worthwhile in terms of uh, it being like educational for people that have the old cliched, horrible, you know, uh, outlook on on the Calvinist position. So that that's it, really, right there. So throw it out, man. What do you got? What do you got, pipe? Uh, I have a, Let's hear the, the vitriol, man. Let's hear it. I have a few thoughts. Uh, first, right. <clears throat> nobody is going to watch this who's not already a Calvinist, so no stereotypes will be done away with. The only people who like talking about <laughs> Calvinism are Calvinists, and nobody likes talking about anything more than Calvinists like to talk about being <laughs> Calvinist. <laughs> Calvinists love to talk <laughs> about being Calvinist. Almost, yeah. as, now, now suss almost, that out a almost bit. as much as introverts love to tweet about being introverted. You mean oh, like yeah, all pastors right. who claim they're introverts? Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So everybody loves to tweet about being introverted and how exhausted they are from people. Calvinists love talking about Calvinism and being Calvinist and labeling things Calvinist. I mean, it's how Together for the Gospel thrives year after year without ever doing anything different. It's because it's <laughs> Calvinists talking about being Calvinist. It's, what could be better? It's <laughs> this is so. This will succeed. This will yeah, absolutely yeah. succeed. It will. It, it is, will. It is already since since you texted about this whatever two hours ago, Ronnie. They are uh, they have gained fifteen hundred dollars on the Kickstarter. Yeah, so it's gonna be huge. It's they they will succeed, and I'm not a I'm not opposed to them doing the project. I simply I simply don't care. And uh, <laughs> I just I don't understand why Calvinists love being Calvinists so much. Like I well, don't get it. Well, well this is what I'm more – go ahead, Big psychology behind that, baby because I, I, I think it has something to do with like – it's why kids get to college and join fraternities. You know what I mean? Like you just want to belong. You want to be a part of something. You want to have some T-shirts. You want to have somebody to sit with at lunch. You know what I mean? It, it – is it the same kind of thought process with that? I guess it's yeah. I mean it's it's because it's because there's it's it carries such like a heavy weight of a label, right? It's like mm-hmm. there's a reason there's a reason why um, you know like denominationally like Baptists love going around saying I'm a Baptist, right? Like so I'm part of the free church. Nobody goes around saying like I'm a free churcher, right? It's just like <laughs> and what so what's always been fascinating about the whole Calvinist thing. You know, no, but do they do they go around waving like the Sojourn flag though at all? No, not at all. That's that's what I'm saying. So like, what's fascinating about the Calvinist position? If you take that, there's two positions, right? So there's Arminian Calvinists. Obviously, we're all you know Calvinists. So the, what, what's fascinating to me about it, just in general, when you look at it broadly, is that nobody walks around like holding up like a card saying like Arminian, that's me, arrow pointing at me. But like Calvinists like carry carry the weight and the title and the identity and they wave the flag of this whole thing. I think that in and of itself is super interesting in and of itself, given that like the other position never represents themselves with that position. But yet you have this position, which we think is, you know, biblical and it has the most clarity, blah, 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 all that stuff. So like what we've done is we've adopted the point to where like we're like we're drinking the Kool-Aid. We're wearing the T-shirt. We got the sticker. We got the conference. We're making the movies. We're writing the books. We got the publishing companies. We got the wait for it, boys, the podcasts. Mm. Um, It's fascinating. I just think it's totally fascinating. Thoughts? (laughs) It's fascinating. It it's just I mean, it's it's fascinating, like a nature documentary. But then, how? Then what? What are we doing right now, Pipe? What are we well, doing? We're making fun of how strange it is. <laughs> but like, we're one just, of them. Uh, yes and no, because there's there's different ways to define them. Oh, dude. no, because right, no, no, no. Because here's right. here's the deal. There's there's the theology 
There's, there's reformed theology, which at its best informs how you live life. It informs how you see the world. It informs how you read scripture. It informs how you interact with God, what you believe about salvation, all of those things. Right. Then there's the culture of Calvinism, which I want absolutely no part of. And the reason I'm on this podcast is to poke fun at it because it's absurd. But how do you get, how do you get the life – how do you get the lifestyle and the belief without the culture? How do you separate those two? By things? not being a jerk. Like, <laughs> but, just, but you're still in the culture. Well, I, Dude, I'm sorry. I, which, I, which culture are we talking about? The cult, the Calvinist culture, or yeah, the, the, the no, one no, you no, just but, described. But it's it's like you can be a college student without being in a fraternity. You can still go to class and study hard. You can still pursue a degree. You can still make friends. You can still like. You can do all of the things in college. You just don't have to go pledge and binge drink and, you know, generally be an idiot. No, that's fine. And I think we're proving that you don't have to be that. But here's my question, all right? And this is what I want listeners to write in about. How many non-reformed listeners do we have for this podcast? That's what I want to know. Okay. Because second question. How many non so first question, how many non-reformed? That's a very good question. Second question, how many people would label themselves as reformed and are generally weirded out by the stereotypes of reformed culture. That's fine. And I'm with you, but that doesn't mean we're not in the culture. This podcast probably exists because we're within that culture and okay, that's but, the listeners we have. And I'm not saying I'm not in the culture. And if I was truly trying to distance myself from it, I would have gone like the rebel without a cause route and just, you know, pieced out because because this is the culture where, like, if I want to read theology, it comes out of the Reformed camp, generally speaking. I do read non-Reformed folks. But it's – but when I when I hear people and when I see stuff like this, it's like people love the label Calvinist. And to me, that is – and I've argued with my dad about this. I don't ever win arguments with him for the record. <laughs> but I've argued like, – I that label is divisive, not helpful. I, well, hey, we're not going to disagree with that, man. And I mean, so me and Big T are not going to And so when I say I want no part of it, I'm talking about all of the things that are divisive about it. Because I believe if a, a truly reformed person should absolutely be able to interact with an Arminian and a semi-Pelagian and a Buddhist and a Hindu and a you know and whoever else, and and you're you're arguing for the gospel. You're not arguing for reformed theology. And if you want to come back and say reformed theology is the gospel, you're wrong. It's not like the gospel is bigger than reformed theology. This is this is an like it is a way of understanding things. I think it is I think it is the closest to the truth that we can understand. But if but Arminian people are saved too, and too many Calvinists act like they're not, and those people are morons. I'm with you, kind of, but yeah. So that it's it's a point well taken. And, um, and I think we can, uh, I, but here's the thing, right? So we can be a part of a culture. I think, I think we can be more effective in the culture by, by embracing it to a point, being in it, and then also poking fun at it. So instead of like trying to like try to have these nuances of like, oh, I just hate the culture. I have one foot in, one foot out. And it's like, no, 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 no. I, we're in it. I, I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing, but we can also, we can also have some nuance and some dynamic in it and not be like, you know, kind of like at the hyper end of the culture. And I think that's where we fit in. And I like that. To back up to when I said I want no part of it, I'm not talking about reformed people or the things that, or, or, you know, the community of people. I mean, I'm, I'm at all the reformed conferences in general, mostly because of work, but that's, that's generally where my affinity lies. 
Right. What I'm talking about, every aspect of the culture that is that that I would deem to be uh, divisive or just dumb. And and that, but the thing is, that goes for church as a whole. We, we were just talking about altar calls. That's just weird. It's not helpful. So it's it's those weird aspects of things. And when I saw this documentary thing, like I just I just want to go why. Who benefits from this? This is this is navel gazing by a navel gazing crowd. We love <laughs> talking about ourselves and how reformed we are. So let's make a documentary about how reformed reformed people are. Dude, no way. I mean, pipe, hold on. I mean, you got it. You got to at least have a convo with that dude and find out like what his intentions are. No, it, it, okay. So I, I, I'm not. Dude, I don't think you need to. I'm not disparaging. <laughs> I'm not disparaging his artistic abilities or his intentions. I'm talking about what will happen with it. Well, his I know, but he, his but intentions least, can be to evangelize Arminians. His intentions can be to to do an, an even-handed, level-headed explanation of this to people who have uh, an incorrect stereotypical view of you know uh, God's sovereignty or whatever. That's good, fine. But those people are never going to watch this. You know who's going to watch this? Calvinists, and then they're going to tweet about it, and uh, and then other Calvinists are going to retweet that, and then they're going to get their Calvinist buddies to watch it, and we're all going to be a little more Calvinist at the end of the day. Piper, let the poor kid give it a shot, man. Which maybe sounds this, amazing. Maybe, maybe this will be the maybe this will be the first. You know, maybe this will be one of those attempts that actually uh, that actually goes a little bit further down that path that you're saying okay, is impossible. Ronnie, let me a- let me ask you something. It won't be. Are you are you <laughs> Are you pushing back because he's in the reform camp and it feels uncomfortable for you to for a Calvinist guy to uh, critique another Calvinist guy? Now, I don't think I would be on that pod on this podcast if I felt that way at all. <laughs> I mean, look at what we just did to look at look at all the reformed funny ha ha's we just did on D.A. Carson. Come on. You know, <laughs> no, I was I was mostly being facetious, but he has We're, a great sense of humor. He can take it. Yeah. D.A. Carson. Yeah. Barrel of laughs. Um, funny, funny. God. <laughs> No, not at all. And I think I think we should be able to, man. We should be able to push back on anything in a way that shows a little bit of satire, not taking ourselves seriously. I would say that is my biggest, biggest criticism of Calvinist culture is its inability to laugh at itself. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, that may transition well to our next topic. And so, you know, who's, <laughs> you know who's even who's just as bad at uh, at laughing at themselves. Who? Who pipe? Progress, Tell us. Progressive Christians. Oh so, man! Are you guys familiar with the site, the Babylon Bee? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a satire site. Some of their stuff is very pointed and biting. Some of uh-huh. it is is I mean, generally very funny. It's 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 basically the Onion for Christians. If you're familiar with the Onion, some of it's brilliant. Some of it's so, yeah. really brilliant. I mean, and, yeah. and like all satire, some of it's a swing and a miss. Some of it's hilarious. But uh, they they took on oh, who was it? Um, Jen Hatmaker in a yeah, post. Yeah, yeah, And the progressive Christians who love Jen Hatmaker. And by the way, I think Jen Hatmaker in general, pretty cool. So that's this this has nothing to do with her in person. Dude, but who's Jen Hatmaker? Is she, is she's she a, progressive? She just seems like a like a suburban she's kind progressive. of progressive to me. She's, yeah, she would she would be she I mean progressive in the sense of like uh more very much more open-handed theologically and culturally in terms of yeah. who she who who she would count herself in the camp of. You know, Calvinist. she seems like she's about like not not excluding any audience who might buy a product. You know, yeah, I mean, the, she's not. Yeah, she, so she's not Elise Fitzpatrick, but she's also not you know Rachel Evans either. She's like somewhere in between. But you know, so 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 uh, Rachel 
the held Evans and uh, and others came to her defense and just like think pieces galore, ripping mm-hmm. Babylon B and uh, and and satire in general, and just generally being like that's so cruel and mean spirited and all, all that to say they it was it's because one camp criticized the other camp and so they took it very very personally. So no, it's because one camp criticized their camp. Well, that's what I mean. Like the, the <laughs> yeah. criticism came from outside the camp. So I think Calvinists can take some criticism from within the camp. I'm hoping so because I just wasn't the most gracious person in the world to somebody working on a creative project. I kind of feel bad about that because creative projects are very hard things to do. And I didn't mean to disparage that guy's work. I meant I'm just talking about where it's going to end up. I guess that's what I'm getting at. So it could be an awesomely well done thing. I just. I don't. I don't see any good coming out of it outside the Calvinist camp. Anyway, well, so, boys, let's. Uh, yeah, let's let's transition yeah. from the most Calvinist thing in the world to perhaps the least Calvinist person in the world. <laughs> <laughs> because who, we, who would that be, Big T? Enlighten well, us. Uh, I'll tell you, Big R. I'll get there. We we <laughs> have had some people, some listeners uh, to this program. Which, if you listen to the program, we appreciate you, and we're we're stoked to have you on board, and we're excited when you. Uh, when you write in and contribute and ask questions, but we we had people wondering uh, what's off with what's up with the sign off where I say Rachel the Held Evans, right? This is a thing uh, that we've been doing here on the program for about the last I don't know six months or so, um, and I just want to suss out a little bit of the backstory on that so that so that people aren't confused by it. Um, early in this show's history, uh, we had a, another host. Uh, there was a gentleman named Stephen Altrogi who was a part of this program. May uh, God for, rest his soul. Yeah, what happened to him? How did he die again? Guys, we don't know. There's it's shrouded in mystery, as it were. Maybe someone, someone Les Lanfear is actually working on a documentary called Altrogi. That uh, I would watch that and tweet it. So Absolutely. I don't know Les, why it's not going to it's not going to change anybody's mind about Altrogi. It's just going to be, right. yeah, it's just gonna be a bunch of Altrogi fans well, watching. You did know. you watch the People versus OJ Simpson? Because no. that changed a lot of people's minds. These things do change people's minds. That's oh, true. Wow. Media Just not the Calvinist one because the only people who are going to watch it are Calvinists. I'm so confused. Go on, Big last, T. Last word had, man, right there. Um, so anyway, we were talking about um, about Altrogi and his tenure on this program. And he, um, he kind of ruled the program with an iron fist. He had certain ground rules, um, one of which was that we could never utter the name of Rachel Held Evans, uh, who, if you don't know who she is, just Google her. Um, she's very active on Twitter, and uh, and that's her thing. So anyway, um, she and Trogues had had some some uh, some throwdowns on Twitter. So they they had some history, some backstory, and Trogues just asked that uh, that we never mention her by name. Yeah, she basically got the Voldemort treatment. It was sort of a she who shall not be named situation. She who should not be named. Things of which we do not speak, etc. So. When Trogues left the program of his own volition, um, Pipe, I, I think it's safe to say that you and I felt a certain freedom. You know, it's sort of like when you're when you're a teenager and like your parents left the house for the weekend. You know, you could like um, I don't know, watch Police Academy or whatever. You know, you what you know whatever kind of thing you did to to like test the boundaries. Oh yeah. Um, for us, that thing was uttering the name of Rachel Held Evans on the air, um, and it was so exciting to do that that we just started using it as the sign off so uh, and, and it doesn't have anything to do with any particular instance of rachel held evans doing anything it has zero to do with her we don't think about her we don't care about her other than wishing her well it's, in general i was gonna say it's uh, not even to make fun of her it is no to, it's not 
it is simply exercising our freedom in podcasting at the departure right. of it's just it's teenage rebellion it's total it's teenage, teenage yes big r it it's it's garden variety teenage rebellion is what it is you're absolutely, absolutely right um so we just enjoy saying it um that's where it came about and um i don't know i hope that's helpful um i hope that's helpful for listeners guys so. do we have a do we have a little update on the current whereabouts and whatabouts of rachel held evans what, what's going on right now with with rach well, she was thrown down with Pipe's dad a couple weeks ago, um, but I'm oh, sure that that's right? old news. Yeah, I'm my, sure that's old news for my, people. Who my favorite media. thing in the world is following people on Twitter who uh, who are taking on things that my dad said, and especially when I get included. She didn't include me in that. She's very nice not to do that. But thankfully, yeah, it's, yeah, my favorite thing. Uh, she recently, not too long ago, had a child. I I glean all this from Twitter. I have never spoken to to Rachel, but uh, recently had a child. So she's tweeting a lot about motherhood these days and what mm. that is teaching her. Um, mm. that's not easy. What is to it teaching her? Progressive uh, motherhood. She's the a recent one that I saw is that, uh, motherhood provides, uh, so much great writing material and no time to write. Mm. Uh, I concur not being yeah. a mother, but from a distance observing, I would concur that that's very likely to be true. Um, now are they doing the gender thing with their kid or are they just letting the kid figure it out? Uh, she hasn't, she hasn't clarified that. So, mm. um, I also don't know the gender of the child. Um, mm. but being a, being a mother is a lot of not work, important. so I, I hope she's not important. yeah I hope I hope she's doing just fine with that. That's a, that's not a very easy thing to do. True, true. Well, wow. I, I don't know what note to end on here, boys. You I know, know I feel I feel I, like we well, I, I feel I like think, we've gotten somber. I Me and Pipe had our first on on you know on the air fight. I mean, think, how do you guys are, feel in in the wake of that? It's tender. There's a lot. Of, there's some wounds. There's some tenderness oh, really? going on right now. I, big yeah. I'm ready for round two. <laughs> Yeah, pipe's like I don't have any wounds. I'm like Drago after I fought Creed. You know, spoken like a piper. Barely broke a sweat, man. Creed's over there dead in a heap. See, this was just the pre, this was the pre-debate, right, Ronnie? This is, this, the, is this is the reform jackass coming out in me. Like you started a fight, and I will keep going until I win. Pipe, that's the ironic thing. If you wanted to be, you could be such a great reform jackass. You know what, what I mean? Do you mean? What do you mean wanted to be? I mean, what? <laughs> Look, no, no, is there no, no, an idea? No. Is there an identity? The, thing? Is there a the, gender thing here going on that no, I'm not aware about? Here's the deal. Pipe <laughs> doesn't identify as a reformed jackass. <laughs> no, you just drop the word reformed and it's more accurate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at that. Yeah. Wow. Well, you okay. know, we all have we all have our gifts. We all have our have our callings. You know. God yeah, bless what? us, everyone. Exactly. <laughs> We're gonna Pipe. get to that in six months at Christmas time. Hang in there. Oh, that's right. Christmas sweaters and all. Christmas, yeah. Big R is going to plan our Christmases, pipe, because we're such curmudgeons yes. about it. He's gonna, he's gonna take care of us. If this it Christmas. involves me singing Christmas carols, we will, I, we will have a true throwdown. Guys, yeah, no, we're I, not doing. That's not until our December podcast. Don't, don't tease everybody like that. You know, <laughs> dude, we should go save it. Hold on, we should go door to door on our podcast in December. Each of us with our our, our separate computers and and microphones, caroling. Guys, don't think for a minute. That in live in Louisville, I'm not going to be bringing a little guitar and singing some uh, some originals. Could you bring a ukulele you know? instead? I'm not that hipster. I don't buy into all that Mumford and Sons worship shenanigans stuff, Piper. 
Come Maybe on. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Let's be honest. Oh, well, you said worship shenanigans. Like I didn't know where you were going. You said worship <laughs> show. Oh, really, Ronnie? What are, what are we going? What are we having to say about this? Dude, listen. I work on a college campus. I can swing a cat in any direction here and hit a kid with a ukulele. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. That's <laughs> such a – it's okay, such a – here's here's your mission should you choose to accept it. Could you actually do that, go swing a cat and hit a kid with a ukulele? I would, I would I love, would to, love to see that on video. If you can get that, then send it to us and we will post it on one of our Twitter accounts, Big T. There you and, go. Uh, oh, speaking of this, there is yeah. a there is a a uh, burgeoning Twitter movement to get Ted on Twitter, and apparently it's a it's a gut check podcast initiated thing. Your co host there, Ted, started it. Yep. So there's a hashtag get Ted on Twitter. What 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 promise did you make to? Uh, I didn't make any promises. Zach made a he he intimated that if we got 500 get Ted on Twitter, uh, I don't know whatever tweets like mentions mentions that uh, that I that I would join Twitter. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not ready to say that. Um, but, but I would give it some thought, you know? All right. Well, I mean, we, we've got to be getting close. Yeah. So to 500, uh, I, I would, I would, well, okay. It's a little fuzzy because do yeah. retweets count or do people have, does it have to be like original? Ah, original dude, I don't tweets? even know. I don't know the etiquette on this stuff. You decide. Well, no, it's up to you. Cause you're <laughs> the one who would be on Twitter. If okay. I'm deciding you should be on Twitter tomorrow because that would be fun for me. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if it'd be any fun true. for you, but, um, so, listeners, if you use the hashtag Get Ted on Twitter, there's a uh, there's a non-zero chance he will get on Twitter at some point in the distant future. <laughs> I love it. I love By it. By the way, just go. to pour some salt on a previous wound, I just pledged yeah. twenty five thousand five hundred and seventy five dollars. The Calvinist movie is being made now, so so you actually get to play John Calvin uh, in the movie for that amount. I mean, yeah, I just I just received an Amazon Prime package with like a beard and like a a beard like, and some robes. And, oh, it's from it's from Missional Wear. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, does, so, it yeah. all, does it also have a stake where you can burn your opponents? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know Cal- Calvin had some issues, didn't he? Maybe one of these times we can talk about some of the uh, you know some of the some of the tendencies of Calvin to not be so so reformed himself. How about you know? Luther and uh, his anti-Semitism and uh, not very nice things said about the Pope? I just don't know why you know nobody seems to care about Luther. You know, it's just it's kind of weird with reformed guys. Yeah, other than other than on Halloween, the day that we don't celebrate because it's Reformation Day. Right. We we celebrate Luther, and we have that one Witch of Endor story that we can do during our like Harvest Festival or whatever we do. You know, we'll talk about that in October for sure. Though it's going to be fun. It's you guys ever fun. watched that Luther movie with the the dude from Shakespeare in Love? Was Joseph Fiennes. I heard it was yeah. good, but I never yeah. saw it. Was it good? It was okay. I, I I don't remember much about it except that it had Josephine's in it. It had the dude from uh, yeah from Shakespeare in Love. But do we have so know. many things to talk about right now? And it's just no time. Big T. I know, baby. We've been so going for an hour. Things. I got to land this plane, don't I? Yeah, it's like it's like a bad. It's like been a bad sermon almost, man. Yeah, no, it's and, been a standard conclusion. Then it went it's, an hour. It's been a Matt Chandler sermon, man. We've just gone over the hour mark, and everybody's like, "All right, we've got to eat lunch at some point." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Let's break for lunch. Let's uh, let's let these people go and get their quinoa salad. So, uh, boys, this has been fun as always. And uh, until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. Feeling stressed? Let's take better care of you. I'm Bonnie Gray, the host of Breathe, the Stress Less podcast. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.